You're listening to the Seahawks Insiders. Russell takes the snap, steps up in the pocket, looks, has time. Now he's going to throw. Tyler Lockett looks for the ball. He's got it. Touchdown, Seahawks. Getting you ready for Seahawks football every Sunday. The handoff inside to Carson starts up the middle, now bounces it across the line. He's in. Touchdown, Seahawks. Powered by Seahawks.com. We heard that call four times in week one during the Seahawks win against Atlanta. That makes this episode of the Seahawks Insiders podcast a little bit more fun as we welcome you into a week two preview. Jen Mueller alongside John Boyle from Seahawks.com. John, what was your favorite part of that opening week win? I mean, there's a lot to like. Uh, the, I'll point to the obvious, just watching Russell Wilson do his thing, how efficient that offense was, you know, First two drives, boom, down the field, touchdown. You have a little bit of a lull in the second quarter, but then they come out firing in the third quarter. And just after, you know, a, a lot of uncertainty in the offseason, we don't know how the offensive line is going to perform. There's, you know, no preseason, any of that. And just, boom, they came out firing. There's been a lot made of how they were able to come out firing. 35 passes, 20 runs. That is not normally the breakdown that we would see how much of that do you expect to continue and how much do you expect it to be more of a week to week matchup for the Seahawks compared to what I think we've always expected them to do, which is have more runs than passes. I think it's, a, I think there's, I mean, obviously you're gonna have to wait and see, but I think it's a little bit of both. They understand how good Russell Wilson is and how good the weapons around him are this year. But also I think it was a little bit of matchup related. I don't think it'll be that pass heavy week in week out when you look at, you know, the Falcons just had a hard time covering anybody. They had guys open a lot. Russell Wilson was obviously phenomenal, but he wasn't having to squeeze into a ton of tight windows in that game. And, you know, credit Shoddy. They had a great game plan. But, yeah, I mean, whether it's New England this week with the reigning defensive player of the year out at cornerback or another team that there's going to be teams that gear up to really stop the pass and then you need to adjust. And that's, that's where Pete Carroll's whole focus on balance comes in. It's not – we want X number of runs and X number of passes per game. It's that if this team takes one thing away from us, we want to be proficient at something else. And that's where I think they're still going to have to lean on that run game at some point, whether this week or later. Well, and before we get into the Patriots and a few of the points that you just brought up, I do want to give some props more props to Russell Wilson, who picks up another Offensive Player of the Week award. He has gone over 30,000 passing yards and 4,000 rushing yards in his career. And I don't know why this surprised me, John. There's only been one other quarterback who's done that. Yeah, And, and I don't know why it surprises good. me to see Steve Young's name there, but I, I just, it, it goes to show what a special talent, as if we didn't already know that. That Russell Wilson Yeah, is. you know, when I heard that a couple weeks ago that he was approaching that, I kind of assumed, well, somebody must have done it, you know, whether Mike Vick or whatever. But it's that combination of both the ability and the longevity of you need to be able to, I mean, there's guys who've been good runners for a couple of years and then they stop running or they've been, you know, really good runners, but they didn't put up quite the passing volume. Interestingly, the quarterback we're going to see this week probably will join that club and start a new club this season because he's closing in Cam Newton on 30,000 and 5,000. So... Russell's going to have something to a, a new club to join at some point. Well, and I was just going to say, I would expect Cam Newton to be part of that now that he is a little bit healthier than what he has been the last couple of years. And as a result, Pete Carroll knows this Patriots offense is going to look way different than it has in the past. The other side of the ball that it's, it's kind of a new era. You know, you can see them, they've shifted, uh, 
you know, their focus on how, how they ran their offense in the first game. I mean, they could do anything in the second game. I, you know, I leave it wide open to Coach Belichick. But the, uh, but what we saw is we saw, you know, a, f- a feature of, of the quarterback. You know, Cam ran the ball 17 times in the game, and so we got to see what they do this time around. There's not enough games for us in their new thinking uh, to know what to expect here. So um, we'll have to adapt at game time. But uh, this is a, a, a terrific program and uh, with great approach and philosophy. And uh, you, you got to play really good to beat these guys. And so. Um, you know, we'll, we'll go see what we can do. Well, and I do think the Seahawks have the benefit in, in as many times as they have faced Cam Newton over the last few years. As Ken Norton pointed out the other day, it's like, you know, we, we face these guys every year for the last several years. Yeah. But I don't know how much of that truly translates to what we can expect on Sunday. Yeah, it's going to, I mean, Pete Carroll mentioned this. Bill Belichick is notorious for just changing things up week to week. More than any other coach, he's willing to make changes due to matchups. So, you know, just because they ran it however many times last week, you know, I'm not saying they're going to come out and do the opposite, but they might balance it out more. They might, you know, throw in some new wrinkles. And, yeah, it's there's obviously the familiarity helps in terms of they know his running style. They know how hard he is to tackle. They, they know maybe some of the things he likes to do. But that quarterback in a new offense with a coach as unpredictable as Bell Belichick as Pete Carroll said, they almost have to treat this kind of like a first game of the season and kind of feel it out. Well, and the Seahawks have had a lot of success in facing Cam Newton. They have been able to get the upper hand in all but one of those matchups. And Cam has definitely gone back to looking like the runner that the Seahawks know he can be. Last week, he had 15 carries for 75 yards. That is the most by a Patriots quarterback since 1977. The Patriots put up the most rushing yards last week than they had all in any game in all of last year. So we know that there's the potential for that looking different without Tom Brady there. And here's my question to you. Do you think that Bill Belichick enjoys the challenge of having to do something different, right? We've talked about Tom Brady maybe wanting a fresh start, but how much do you think Belichick wants a fresh start? I definitely think, I mean, it's one of those, I don't know if he can talk about that out loud because it makes it sound like he's bashing Tom Brady or something, but a coach who's accomplished as much as he does or as much as he has, I'm sure he likes the idea of a new challenge. And look, those two had an incredible run together, a historic run really that we have never seen in the NFL. But, you know, for both of them, I think it's a cool time to, okay, let's see what I can do with something different in Tom Brady's case, a new team in Belichick's case with a new offense, essentially, not just new quarterback, but a very different quarterback and a different offense. So, you know, he's done just about everything there is to do as a coach. He's, you know, as he joked today, he's the second oldest coach because Pete Carroll's got him by half a year, but he's, he's accomplished so much. And I'm sure he's embracing the idea of, Hey, let's, let's try something new and, you know, new challenges to keep it interesting. New challenges are good, but really what you're doing is going back to the philosophies that have kept him in the league for so long. And Pete Carroll sees some similarities between himself and the Patriots coach. What's similar is their defensive background. You know, we've both been defensive guys our whole life. And we look at the game from that perspective, I think, in general. Um, We both had the opportunity to be involved with their offenses a lot over the years. So... um, you know, we've we've tried to. I know he does, and I know I do. Try to influence how we, you know, what we do on offense and how we do it. Um, we both have really, I think, real uh, strong commitments to our approach and philosophy. And and doesn't really matter much what happens. We're going to pretty much be the same with you know who we are and what we what we want to get done with our teams. I 
wonder if Bill Belichick is as hands-on with his defense as Pete Carroll is. You know, in practice, we see Pete in there correcting technique and demonstrating what he wants the guys to be doing. Can you picture Bill doing that? I can. I mean, maybe I can't picture, and this is not a knock on Belichick. I just can't picture anyone else in their late 60s quite as energetic and running around as Pete. But yeah, I, I do think he's pretty hands-on. Um, one thing that really that that topic and that quote goes back to for me is we talked about this a lot before they played in the Super Bowl. I think these two are a lot more similar than people want to talk about on the surface because you just look at their personalities and it's, you know, Bill Belichick's obviously kind of the more quiet, gruff type personality and Pete's the energetic, you know, people, you know, surfer cool, whatever you want to call it. But when you look at, and I talked to Lawyer Malloy about this before the Super Bowl because he spent a lot of time both, and he said, you know, they're a lot alike in the way they build a team, the way they have discipline, not discipline as in go run a lap, but discipline as in we're going to do this right. And where that shows up more than anything, you look at their turnover differential, you go back to, we'll give Pete a year to get things going. So 2010 wasn't great, but you go back from 2011 on, Patriots are one and Seahawks are two in two, turnover differential over the nine years in the NFL. And it's by a lot. Like the gap between two and three is substantial. And that really shows the discipline it takes to to do things right in all phases to be consistently good in that area. Well, and if you talk to players who have played either in both systems or played with Belichick, look, if you're on the opposing side, I can see where Belichick is a challenge. I have tried to interview him. He is not going to give you much. That doesn't mean that he is as reserved around his players. And you can hear the comments that Cam Newton has made about feeling supportive and the fresh start that he gets and the way that that he is being coached up, which is not, again, a knock on any other coaches. But it does go to show that people can go there and appreciate a different style and a different personality. And that at the end of the day, good football is good football. Yeah. And I happen to like good football. Good football gets played in that uh, Patriots defense, though. As you mentioned, the defensive player of the year, something Mm -hmm. the Seahawks are going to have to contend with. And Pete Carroll was already giving a little praise this week. Yeah, I think he's about as good as you get now. He's he's got enough size and enough stature to him that he can hold up uh, on the line of scrimmage. Um, he's got great speed. Then then his feet are as good as you could hope for. But then the next level of it is his instincts. He's just a really really all around complete football player. Um, they've committed to him. You know, being an on the line of scrimmage guy, he's he's terrific at it. And. Uh, now, I think he was player of the year last year or something, defensive player of the year. So he, he's obviously he's uh, he's no secret. That is, of course, Stefan Gilmore. And this goes back to something that we said earlier in our conversation, John. The Seahawks last week taking advantage against an Atlanta secondary that clearly is in a rebuilding mode. You knew going in that it might be tough for them to keep up. How does the presence of Stefan Gilmore and just the way the Patriots defense plays affect perhaps what the Hawks would do offensively. Yeah, I mean, their team, they played just about as much, if not more, man defense than anybody and played it really well last year. Uh, Number one overall defense in terms of yards. And Gilmore, you know, led the league in interceptions. So they are, you know, they did lose a lot of guys. Um, They they had more COVID opt-outs than most teams. So that's hurt their depth a little bit. But as we saw against Miami, they're still a really good defense. They still have arguably the best defensive player in the game out there. And, and he's a guy they'll move around. It'll be interesting to see. I was talking with one of the beat writers out there, and he he's guessing they would probably, because he's a bigger guy, have him follow 
uh, DK Metcalf around, but you know, okay. So let's say he's on DK Metcalf where maybe there's opportunity for Tyler Lockett to get some things done. So those matchups are going to be really fascinating to watch in the secondary and see how the Seahawks handle it. But in the Patriots defense, you mentioned how good they were last year. They allowed just 14 points a game. They do have two newcomers to the secondary. Both of them are rookies, both of them out of smaller schools. But uh, I, I think when you put that all together, it wouldn't surprise me if we see the Seahawks run the ball a little bit more between that and the fact that Pete Carroll actually said that this week. Right. Yeah. It is not ideal for Chris Carson to only get six carries as a runner. Exactly. Like as much as they love what they saw from Russell Wilson, they they want to get Chris involved. He's a he's a great running back. You know, the back to back eleven hundred plus yard seasons. it'll happen at some point. I know, you know, some fans want to just see Russell Wilson throw forty times a week, but there's gonna be times they really need to lean on that running game. And and I think that, you know, whether it's this week or next week or whenever, we're going to see it balance out a little bit more. And I, again, I going back to that defense, I just, I think there's going to be times they're going to need to run it a lot better this week and more often to have success. Well, and I also wonder if last week, I mean, yeah, don't change what's working, right? He found his spots downfield and that was working, but I also wonder how much of that was, acceptable because you do want to ease these guys in just a little bit, right? You don't want to go out there and give Chris Carson or Carlos Hyde 20 plus carries in week one after they have had no preseason. Chris has missed some time and then put them out there. So I I think maybe they were content with those carries in week one because of that. What did we learn from DK Metcalf last week? based on what we'd heard, what we'd seen in practice, and then what the results were on the field. Two things stood out to me. One, we saw what we saw in training camp of a guy who's pretty impossible to cover deep, a big play guy. But also I liked, he showed a little resilience there. I mean, that was a pretty brutal drop. That thing was, he was open. It hit him right in the numbers and he dropped it. And that could have been a drive killer. And instead, I think it's what, two plays later, makes a great play to get that third down where he's getting drugged to the ground and just reaches the ball across the line and then finishes the drive with that touchdown. So, you know, to see a young guy have a moment that could, and he's talked about, you know, one of his goals in the off season was to cut back on the drop. So that could have gotten in his head. He could have been like, Oh, here we go again. And that could have kind of taken him out of the game. And instead he came back with a huge play. And then, you know, another big play where I know a lot of people talked about his route running last year and that route he ran late in the game on the sluggo to, to get open for a, a big game that kind of helped put the game on ice was, was a great route. So yeah, just a lot of really good things from him. Well, and I think the offense in general, the thing that impressed me most, and I loved DK's fourth down touchdown, right? Oh, I mean, right. everybody loves that one, but what stood out to me most is that the offense converted points every single time the defense got a fourth down stop. Yeah. That has not always happened in years past. Defense would have come up with a big stop, but to capitalize every single time, I I just thought that that it did show some of that attention to detail that Pete Carroll talked about getting through Zoom meetings, which I never thought about. But again, we heard Ken Norton say it this week. If guys are paying attention and engaged, we can go a whole lot deeper than we could before earlier. And I don't know if that comment caught you as off guard as it caught me, but I thought, okay, I I guess I can see this. You're not on the field. There's nothing else to do. Let's dive deep into this thing. Yeah. And I think, you know, Pete talked very early on in the off season of, okay, this is another opportunity to compete. Every team is dealing with these really weird circumstances. How can we do it better than other teams? And 
that's been a reoccurring theme we've heard from Pete over and over of somehow they came in feeling like the rookies had retained more information. They felt like they were ahead in a lot of ways of where they were in these meetings. And yeah, that was taking advantage of that extra time without the on-field work. And it was getting guys, finding ways to keep them really engaged in these Zoom calls, whether it was just coaches doing their job or, you know, sneaking Will Ferrell in there, or, you know, inviting Cory Booker to come talk to the team. So they've done things to keep it from getting this repetitive or on a Zoom call every day. And, and I think that really showed in this team's week one performance how ready they were. I guess I just hear Pete say we're competing and everything so much. I just wasn't sure how it was going to come across in a Zoom meeting. Perhaps it's because I get very distracted in Zoom meetings. <laughs> Who knows? But I was Sorry, very what? impressed by that. Not one of the rookies, but how about one of the veterans that made a huge impression as we kind of close out our conversation today with defense? I love Bobby Wagner on the field. Pete Carroll agrees with that, especially after this week. I thought Bobby played his best game uh, pass defense-wise that he's played. Uh, he was the most active and most obviously, you know, on point with the, with the breaks that he was making. And the, he, he impacted, you know, our play quite a bit. Um, you couldn't, you couldn't, you know, miss the play by Jamal running and hitting. Uh, and uh, I thought uh, Q Diggs, too, had some really good top-offs and some nice plays, too, as well as the rest of the guys. I mean, uh, Marquise, for sure. Um, and uh, Lionel Hill, and all those guys made some hits. Having all the speed on the field, we're, we're faster than we've been. And I think it shows up in our pursuit. And you could not have a defense that looked like that without Bobby Wagner. I know that we were all curious as to how Jamal Adams was going to be used. We have a little bit more idea. But man, the way Bobby just keeps showing up and finding new ways to get better impresses me so, so much. Yeah. And, and Pete Carroll said that in the quote we just heard of, you know, the past defense was about as good as he's played. We just kept seeing plays over the middle where it looked like a guy had a little room to fit a ball in there. And then Bobby'd be in there either to get the hit or to rip it away. And, you know, that was a little bit of a criticism, if there is one, of an all-pro player of Bobby's game last year. Of, you know, he still led the league in tackles, but they asked him to do more in pass coverage, and it it did lead to more coverages in his area. I don't want to say it was always on him, but that was sort of the knock as, oh, teams are completing passes on Bobby Wagner. And he said that was kind of something he focused on this offseason, was being better there, looking for more opportunities to be aggressive, and it sure showed up in week one. And is as Pete Carroll said in there, just the overall speed just showed all over on that defense. And it's, you know, yeah, they gave up a lot of yards because that team threw it 50 sometimes and was playing from behind. But I saw a lot of things to really like out of that defense. And for fans who are concerned about the yards and wondering if the Seahawks care, every single defensive person who talked this week said we gave up too many yards. They understand that. They also have a better idea as to where things can improve. And we have a better idea as to how some of these guys are going to be used. For example, Marquise Blair was on the field for 55 out of the 79 defensive snaps. So now we got a better idea, I think, about how often we're going to see him in nickel. And then Jamal Adams was used as a pass rusher on 11 of those 79 snaps. He ended up with 12 tackles. How how close to, let's say, normal, and I say that in air quotes, do you think that distribution is going to be? In terms of the nickel? Is that, nickel, or, or the and pass then rush? how often we saw Jamal Adams as a pass rusher. I think both yep. of those might be on a little on the high end of like what's average, just because, again, we're talking about a team that normally throws the ball a lot in Atlanta and then got behind and really threw the ball a lot. So, you know, for example, if New England is as run-heavy this week, 
you might see a little more base defense. I don't think we're going to get back to last year where it's like two thirds of the snaps base defense all year. That I don't. I don't think they'll let that happen with Marquise Blair. He's just too talented. They want him on the field. But there might be some games where it's a little more balanced between base and nickel. But if you go back historically with this defense, other than last year, they're about you know, 60 to 70% nickel. So I think getting back to that is probably normal. And yeah, Jamal Adams is going to rush passer. He's too good at it. Whether it's 10, 11 times every week, we'll have to wait and see, but they're going to find ways to keep him active. I mean, he's, he is such a fun player. It's, just, it's hard not to keep your eyes on him. And it's, it's funny. I actually, during the game, I kind of made this point of it almost distracts from how good Bobby Wagner is. Cause it's like, Jamal Adams, everyone's freaking out rightly because he's just awesome. And they're like, wait a minute, Bobby Wagner's playing his butt off too. So it's great. I mean, to have both those guys on one defense is going to be so fun this year. Well, and it will be a very different viewpoint this Sunday when the Seahawks host the Patriots at home in their first home game of the year. Last week, you and I were not in Atlanta. We oh. couldn't see the entire field. You know, we're watching off of a TV screen. It's hard to get the full effect of that defense. I am personally very excited to see it with my own eyes. Yeah, it was weird being in the stadium, but the wrong stadium. You know, I'd, looking out at CenturyLink Field and there's soccer lines on the field for the upcoming Sounders game and the team's 3,000 miles away. But uh, strange year all around. And yeah, it'll be exciting. You, you don't realize sometimes what you miss watching on TV when you're not there. So it'll be... It'll be good to be back in the building watching them play at home. Unfortunately, it will be. unfortunately, it, if we don't get the fans. But as Pete Carroll said, you know, big play happens. Go, go yell out your window or something. I, do, I, I like that love idea. That. I would love to have everybody in Seattle just randomly yelling every few minutes for big plays. That would be fantastic. And here's what else would be fantastic. If you would give me the two things that you need to see in the game for the Seahawks to win, I will let you go first. Uh, well, the first one, I kind of touched on this earlier, and it's a little cliche to say turnovers because every coach will harp that. But these two teams, more than any other, that's just been such a big defining factor of these coaches is being good in the turnover battle. So that'd be my first one is just be positive there. Don't need to be plus three or anything, but just don't lose that. Um, and then secondly... I say keep Cam in check. Don't let him win the game running and find out how good their passing game is. There's, you know, We all know Cam can throw it. We've seen him do it over the years. But there's some questions about the weapons they have and you know how that passing game is going to look if they need to lean on it. So I'd, I'd like to see him put it on the passing game a little bit. For me, I would like to see the Seahawks run the ball more like 30 times. I don't care how those carries get distributed between the running backs, but I'd like to make sure that they're establishing that ground game. And uh, if anything, just to keep everybody else off balance is for what they can expect going forward. And I want to see the Seahawks defense come up big in those short yardage situations. The Patriots were really good last week. They had 12 situations that were short yardage. They picked them up. 11 of those times, the other time they punted. Um, and a lot of that is going to be Cam just leaning forward to pick up the first down. So I want to see how that defense stiffens up and uh, plays tough against a tough quarterback. So I think between John, between me, I think we got it covered for Sunday. And I think if they do what we say, John, it's got to be a win. Yeah, they should just listen to us. They should just on, listen to up. us. Just listen to the podcast and save yourself <laughs> some work. Because everybody else does. And we thank you for that. And we will be back with you next week.